Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. What I'm going to talk about this morning applies to everyone in this room, including myself. It applies to everyone outside of these walls. It applies to the people, to our teens, to our parents, to our neighbors. It applies to our relatives. It applies to the broken, to the unwanted, and to the uninvited. You see, the truths that I want to share this morning are real heavy on my heart. They apply to so many people, the people that our world tends to look over, the people that take too much time and effort. Maybe some of you know people like that. The people that are not like us, the people that make us feel uncomfortable, the people that are on the fringes and may not have their lives as put together as we are. You see, this morning, I want to talk about something called biblical hospitality. You see, the more you get to know me, <laughs> the more you'll understand that I just love people. I do. I'm like, you know how like there's introverts and extroverts? I'm extrovert times like infinity. Like I just, I love meeting new people. I love getting to know what they're like, what they don't like, their favorite food, their favorite Marvel movie, you know, all those things. I just love getting to know them and, and just hanging out with them. And I love that. But you see, I learned a lot of that from my dad. I learned about how to be hospitable because of my dad. You see, my dad is one of the most hospitable people on this planet. He just, he just is. Anytime people were coming over to his house, he would make the house look really, really nice. He would light candles, he would turn on specific lights, he would play really nice music, he would make excellent food, he'd stoke his fireplace, he'd plant new flowers, trim the trees, mow the lawn, and he would greet people with warmth and love as if they had been dear friends for years. You see, my dad wasn't, he wasn't like overly concerned with like, oh man, what are they going to think about me if my house is messy or whatever? You know, does it, did anyone ever have that relative where, you know, like during Thanksgiving or Christmas, like if, if the house wasn't like immaculate, it was just like, oh, yes. Huh. And then we're just like, oh, we're never inviting Aunt Cheryl ever again. Jeez. But he wouldn't do it for that reason. He would do it because he just, he just loved people and he wanted people to feel at home and, at, and welcome. A home where... They were, it would feel warm and inviting, where they'd find, where people would walk in, they'd find a comfy spot on the couch, they'd kick their shoes off, just not have to worry about anything. His sole reason for doing those things is that he wanted his guests, when they walk in the door, to feel like they were at home. A home that had it all. The home that where, I mean, anybody in here like food? Some of you aren't raising your hands. That concerns me. We're Americans, okay? Um, a home that had all the smells of finely crafted food, a roast in the crock pot, a steak on the grill, fresh mashed potatoes, hot sweet rolls. I'll stop talking. I'm sorry. I'm getting hungry. But he wanted his home to be so inviting because, you see, he understood that the home that was given to him was a home that was given to him by God. See, his house, he understood, was a tool that God has given him to use to love others. It's a gift from God to be used for God. Now, hospitality is a big deal to my dad. And I believe hospitality is a really big deal to God as well. 
Because hospitality isn't limited to what you can do to make your house inviting. I believe hospitality reaches much, much further. It's rooted in the gospel. And it's rooted because if we look at the Greek word for hospitality, it is this. It comes from the word philoxenia. I hope I'm saying that right. If, I'm, if you're a Greek scholar in here, I apologize. But it means the love of the stranger. And that's what I want us to learn about this morning. The title of today's message is Hospitality of the Heart. And the point is for us to come to a place where we care so deeply, so deeply for the hearts of others that it becomes part of our daily lives. Let's pray real quick and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, I just love you so much. God, thank you so much for loving us and bringing us into your home and into your care. Father, I just pray that you would speak this morning, God, that it is nothing that I would have to say, but that, Lord, you would just pierce the hearts and the minds of everyone in here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's turn to the book of Luke, starting in chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 12. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now, as many of you guys well know, leprosy was a pretty big deal back then, and Pastor Jason gave a wonderful message not too long ago about how bad this contagion was. It was just horrible. People who had leprosy, they were, they were dangerous, they could harm people, they were risky, they were unsafe, they weren't allowed inside the city limits because they were so contagious. And one and just and it, it worked so fast, it happened so fast. And one day you could be enjoying belonging, touch, recognition, and love and value, and then the next, you're as good as garbage. And this rancid and rejected man came to Jesus, and Jesus did the craziest thing. He touched him. The Son of God touched him. The leper was looking for Jesus. Now, I know this isn't like Jesus at all, so bear with me. But imagine, just for a, just for a second, imagine if Jesus turned away from him. Or told him, dude, you shouldn't be here. Like, you know you're not, you know you're not supposed to be within city limits. Okay, you could get all these people, like, in, infected. What's wrong with you? He didn't care about, like, oh, man, if I touch this guy, is everybody in the crowd going to go, whoa, I'm out of here? He didn't care about that. He didn't care what other people think, thought. He cared about this man's heart. We should never, ever, ever, Ever push away imperfect people searching for Jesus. When Jesus saw hurting or needy people, he drew them close. He met people empty and he left them feeling full. You see, Jesus took away a contagion of leprosy and replaced it with a contagion of grace. Now, we don't, I mean, imagine what this leper was like afterwards. Imagine him running home into his family's house and being like, ah, 
It's crazy. I mean, imagine the effect that that man had, the ripples of change in that man's life, of talking to others about Jesus because he was healed, because Jesus didn't turn him away. And here's what I want us all to understand this morning, is that Jesus didn't have a literal home to offer up, but he had himself to offer up. And that, that is biblical hospitality. Jesus never had an actual home for himself, yet he displayed genuine hospitality. He made people feel welcomed and at home when he interacted with them. And my hope is that we would do the exact same thing. That no matter who, came into, who you came into contact with or no matter who walked in these doors, you would make them feel loved and accepted. And I get it. Being hospitable... Opening our lives up to people, it can be inconvenient, it can be uncomfortable, and it might even be expensive because teenagers like pizza. (laughs) And not just teenagers, but anybody. But it motivates us to care more for our neighbors and strangers than our personal status and comfort in this world. And a lot of times we fear man, what will people think? Or how will they respond to us? We fear that if we open up our lives to them, they they might hurt us. We fear how people negatively influence us or our family. We fear how different they are from us. We fear that what they will think of us. Or we fear of losing our comfort and convenience of the life that we like to live. Or maybe some of us think, ah, they don't deserve it because of X, Y, and Z. God calls us to practical biblical hospitality as a daily way of life, not as an occasional activity when time, convenience, and resources allow. Jesus understood the love of a stranger. He wanted all of us to be part of the family. Jesus understood that we were never meant to be alone. Jesus understood that we are better together and that people didn't need to be perfect first before dying for them. Jesus understood that people need to be drawn in and not pushed away, no matter what they're like. You see, and I, I have a really big soft spot in my heart um, it's just something I, I think about every day, um, something that the Lord has just placed on my heart and my mind that I just, any, any opportunity I get to serve and do this, I, I do see my, um, I just love kids in foster care, and I also just, I have a huge heart for just refugees. Um, my wife and I did foster care in Pueblo uh, for a little bit, and we absolutely loved it, and we love getting to know other families that do it, and uh, I've been able to go... Um, and hang out in Denver where there are just a, a ton of refugees and just hang out with them and play soccer with them and just, I, I don't know, I just, I love that sort of stuff. And I think the reason is because all of us in this room, at one point or another, we, we weren't part of the family. At one point or another, we were in a place of desperation and brokenness and unsurety. But God, in his grace, brought us to a place of safety and rest and is going, and I'm excited, is going to take us to our true home someday. 
See, we are called to do the same for others. I truly believe that anytime we interact with someone, our actions should give them a glimpse of heaven. Our words, our actions, what we do, no matter who it is, they should walk away from that interaction and go, that was different. That was refreshing. That was wholesome. I want to... I want to be around this person more. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 1, says this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. We can't do that. We can't do that well if we don't have a spirit of togetherness. Instead of isolating ourselves or only letting in certain people, we are called to bear one another's burdens. It doesn't say bear people's burdens that are easy, bear the burdens that are convenient, bear one another's burdens. We need to bring people together. We need to invite others into our lives. And we need to do what is God-honoring, not just what is easy. So whether you can or can't invite them into your house, invite people into your hearts. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 4, says this. Just as our bodies have many parts, have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility Seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. I love Paul. He's so funny sometimes. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. You see, one of my goals with FSM has been to just... Look for ways to just love others. One of my favorite nights that, to date was when we just, we all just got little note cards and stuff, and I just told them all to write a, an encouraging letter to someone. And it's those little things of just showing love to people that just can change their world. When I showed up here, and my wife and I had been going through kind of a lot, and it was stressful, and, and uh, it was hard. Um, I walked into my office one day, and um, there's just like a stack of cards. And I was like, what is this? And so I was just, I was ready to just be like, huh, pfft, 
just throw them away because it's not mine. And I started to read through them, and I realized that before I'd shown up, all these teenagers had written just little notes to me. We're so excited that you're here. We can't wait to see what God does. We've got your back. We think you're awesome. We love you already. (laughs) And I just sat on my desk chair and wept. And I was a little embarrassed because I think one of my, the staff people walked by and they were like, what's with this Evan guy? Man, he's really, he's a, he's a crybaby, jeez. We need to look for ways to really love them, to really love people. We need to be intentional about what we can do to love others well. So some of you might be thinking, okay, Evan, I get it. Love others, love others, love others. But what is the point? Why should I do this? How should I do this? What's the takeaway? The purpose of biblical hospitality is to take the hand of a stranger and put it into the hand of the Savior. Of the Savior. Now look, we're not Jesus. We don't save people. We can't, but we can display Jesus. Here's some practical steps that I want us, and and look, these apply not just to teens, but to everybody. Five things that I want you guys to, man, maybe write this down and put it on your mirror, or write this down and put it in your Bible, or, or, or whatever, or make it a goal with your family to do this week or something. But here are five great ways to just love people and to show biblical hospitality. Number one is to just pray for people. Pray for people. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for the people that are difficult. Pray for the people that make you feel a little irked. Pray for the people that are difficult. Pray for the people that are broken. Accept people. Accept people no matter what they wear or how they act. Because, man, if, 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 if my youth leader saw the way I acted and the way I dressed and just said, eh, that's not good enough, I wouldn't be here. Talk to them. Talk to people. I know it's a tough one, talking to people. But man, don't, don't waste opportunities by waiting for people to talk to you and instead go and talk to others. Talk to them, especially our teens, because they're awkward and they sometimes don't know how to talk to people. You're welcome. <laughs> Invite them. Invite them into your homes, invite them into your hearts, take them out to coffee, figure out what the, where, where their favorite place to shop is, and just surprise them. Surprise them with a note, hey, I was thinking about you, here's a $5 gift card to Maurice's, I don't know. Never give up on them. You see, Jesus never gave up on us, so why should we ever give up on people? Listen, I don't need to remind you guys I don't need to remind you that today's teens are completely looked over and forgotten, that they are some of the most busy, like truly, teenagers today are some of the busiest people on the planet. And there's so many things in this world that's pulling them this way and pulling them that way and be this and do that and wear this and say this. It's crazy. 
And I don't need to remind you of all the statistics about teenagers today either. Just go, just Google it. It's sad. And a lot of times our society looks at them with just turned down noses. But look, if we as a church, we as believers are going to do something about it, if we want to stop seeing if we want to stop seeing teen violence in schools or teen bullying, if we want to stop teen vaping and drug abuse and pregnancies and abortion and suicide, if we want to stop seeing teens drop their faith the minute they graduate, then we need to stop saying, well, somebody else will do it, or well, maybe some other day. No, we need to start saying, someday is now and somebody is me. Look, I'm convinced truly that the enemy has cunningly, very cunningly put lies in our head like, well, I'll wait for teens to come to me or, or, or I'm not relevant enough or, or I don't know how to talk to them or, or fill in the blank. If we continue to let the enemy trick us with that sort of talk, then these teenagers... We'll talk to them. He'll show them that they matter even when they fail a test. He'll show them that they matter when their boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with me, breaks up with them. He'll show them that somebody loves them when their parents are going through a divorce. Guys, Jesus unravels and debunks those lies of the enemy, and I'm proof of that. I'm living evidence of it. You see, I'm standing on this stage because a couple of guys at a church in Leesham in Missouri decided to bug the heck out of me. <laughs> they didn't give, give me all the answers. They didn't get rid of all my problems. They weren't perfect. They didn't go to school and study how to talk to a teenager. But what they get, did give me was hope. They decided to put self on the shelf, put pride in its place. They kicked anxiety in the teeth. They ignored the feelings of inadequacy, and they rushed over to me every chance they got. They didn't care what I wore. They didn't care how many cuss words I threw at them. They didn't care that I was a total mess or that I was lazy and had a bad attitude. But what they did care about was my broken heart. They didn't give up on me because they knew Jesus doesn't give up on us. You see, Jesus didn't give a rip about this man's leprosy. He saw our contagion of sin and still died for us. And these guys, they just, they just showed me that I was loved, that I was worth being listened to, that I was worth their time and that I was celebrated. They displayed biblical love and hospitality in their actions, and those actions changed my heart and displayed Christ-like love in a way that was visible to me. You see, the more you know, learn about me, the more you'll know that my teen years were, kid years were rough. I was angry. I was bruised, I was skeptical, I was angry. 
But the gospel transformed an angry, skeptical, beat-up, self-conscious kid on a one-track path to destruction into a person who now knows that there's hope in every situation, that his love sustains, and that my identity is in Jesus Christ. And look, I don't remember, I don't remember every single sermon my youth pastor spoke. I don't remember every single cool event or every outreach trip. I don't remember the games we played or every song we sang, but what I do remember are the relationships. What I do remember was them inviting me over to their house for dinner. What I do remember were all the times they took me out to Sonic when I was going through a rough time. What I do remember is how often I would push away, but they would keep coming back. I remember all the adults in my life that debunked all the lies I thought Jesus was and replaced them with visible love. See, I'm standing on the stage preaching the good news to you because somebody decided to say yes to God and chose to invite me into their lives and love me. That's our calling to this world, you guys, to make the love of Christ visible to others, whether it's big acts of service or just tiny everyday things. The way we act and display love to others should make others feel at home. So I'd like to just take a second and I wanna pray for our teens and our parents, parents of teens, because they're worth it. Imagine the ripple effect you, we could have, church, if we invested in these teens. Imagine their families, what their lives will be like, the people they'll impact, and they'll come back and they'll say, you know, it's because someone at Faith Bible Chapel took me to Chipotle after church and just wanted to get to know me. So if you could, would you just, if there's a parent of a teen close to you or if there's a teenager by you or whatever, if you want to stretch your hands out to them, there's a bunch sitting right here. And, but can we do that? Can we pray for our teens and the parents of our teens this morning? Let's do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we just love you. And Father, we were once not part of your family. We were once broken and lost. But Father, you welcome us with open arms. You saw our contagion of sin and you wanted all of us. You wanted all of it. You wanted to bear that burden. You wanted to help us and love us. And God, we're so undeserving, but you love us. And so Father, I just pray for our teenagers, God. And not just the teens in this room, but the teens in Denver, Arvada, Broomfield, everywhere in between, Lord, that God, that you would help them understand, that you would put people in their lives to show them that they are not alone, that you love them, that you care for them, that they matter, and that no matter what they're going through, you are with them. Father, I want to pray for our parents as well, Lord. Father, being a parent of a teen is so rewarding. It can be difficult, it can be hard, it can be stressful. Sometimes they feel unsure. 
So Father, I just pray for our parents, Lord, that Father, that you would equip them, that you would encourage them, that you'd love on them, that you would surround them with other adults, Father, other parents to just help them and to guide them. Father, that there would be people in their lives, Lord, when they're feeling empty, that you would make them feel full. Father, we just pray for this generation, Lord, that they would not be content with what is okay in this world right now, but that they, they, would, they would leave these doors and make this world a better place, that they would go out, that they'd share the gospel with boldness, and that they'd make others see just how great you are. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.